Amen. I want you to go with me over to Hebrews chapter 9 for just a moment. And uh, look at just a few verses there. And this is our year of triumph. And so we're looking at what exactly facilitates that victory for you and for me. And uh, we're going to find out and you know, drive it deep down into our spirits today that first of all, our triumph is by the blood. And in uh, chapter 9, look around verse 11, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on, the, on those who were ceremonially unclean sanctify them so they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ to through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant for those who are called to receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Now you know we have a better way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, this is our serious scripture. It says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. How often? Always. Always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. And the scripture is, is plain here. We can't spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him if we ourselves are not led in triumph. There's no way to impact others when we ourselves are defeated. Someone who's bleeding and dead on the side of the road can't tend to somebody else's wounds because they're in need of healing. To triumph means to gain the mastery and the victory after a serious conflict battle or test. And you can't triumph unless there's something to triumph over. So don't feel like somehow you're less than everybody else because you have battles going on. Turn to somebody and say, you're just like everybody else. Everybody has a battle. Everybody has a struggle. Everybody has a war that's going on. But we have been given the promise that we're going to be led into triumph. No matter what that battle is. No matter how long that battle is. No matter what the nature of that battle is. We have that promise. In fact, God wants this year to give you overwhelming victory on display for all to see. To make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. How many know we are the righteous? And so he's going to make us poster children for the kingdom of God. What does this mean? It means that others are going to see your victory. We're not talking about theoretical, homiletical, hermeneutical, one day in the by and by. We're saying that people are going to see your triumph. They're going to watch what God has done. And God's going to receive the glory for it, isn't it? There is a special anointing on God's people this year to triumph over their enemies and circumstances. And Jesus himself has given us the keys to do that. Listen to this in Revelation chapter 12, 10 through 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven 
Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. Listen to this modern translation. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We first and foremost triumph with the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Understand this today. The blood is our entry and our passport into everything he has for us. The blood, the Bible says, the blood of a human, in the blood is life, but in the blood of Jesus is divine or eternal life. He gives us the key because he gave us his blood. Now understand this. It is our passport. It is our entry. Say that with me. The blood of Jesus is my passport. You don't have a passport, you don't get in. You get off a plane, you don't have the proper credentials, you sit in an office until that can be done. And some people have spent months in an airport because they didn't have the credentials. You must have the passport. Turn to somebody and tell them, you must have the passport if you want to get in. What does it get us into? First of all, it's how we get into redemption. Redemption, the Bible says, is to be what? To have been bought back, to be ransomed, to be set free. When he shed his blood and you believed on him, you enter into that redemption because you've got the passport to enter into redemption. What does that tell us? Redemption means we're redeemed from the curse and the blessing has been restored to you and to me. The Bible says in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, Ephesians 1.17. Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. What happens when you're hung on a tree? You bleed. And the Scripture tells us so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. What a wonderful thing that you and I have. We have been redeemed from the curse. The blessing of God has been restored. And how did that happen? By the blood. You have access to the redemption because you have the passport of his blood. Glory to God. But it's not just into redemption. It's also how we enter into covenant. We understand in this illustration on the screen today that the blood of the Lamb had to be applied to the doorpost under the dominion and bondage of Egypt. God had us filled with Pharaoh and now the firstborn would be taken and he said apply the blood to the doorpost and everybody in the, in the body you know, known as Israel did so and when that death angel came by literally passed over those households and they were not affected by this. Say, why would God do that? Let's start with 400 years of bondage and slavery and abuse. 
Let's start with not listening to the Most High God over and over and over and over again. And this was the day that it would ultimately move the heart of Pharaoh because of what he had done against God's people and now the consequences of what he did in the loss of the firstborn. What happened? When that blood was applied, there was no consequence for those that were behind that door. Now, can I tell you something? It didn't make any difference how old they were behind that door. It didn't make any difference how young they were behind that door. It didn't make any difference if there were many or few behind that door. It didn't make any difference how perfect or imperfect they were behind that door. If they had the blood, they were spared. That's what it means to have covenant with God. A sacred and irrevocable promise from God to cut covenant is to cut so that the blood flows. In our case, the cutting was of the body of Jesus and the blood was his shed for you and for me. And I'm telling you today, if you put his blood on your doorpost, the doorpost of your heart, a circumcised heart, you're going to have protection behind that door as well. Listen to me. It won't make any difference how old or young you are. It won't make any difference, you know, whether you're accomplished or not. It won't make any difference how educated or uneducated you are. It won't make any difference if you're perfect or imperfect. If the blood is applied, you will get a pass by. Hallelujah. It's so important to understand this. Through that blood. In the Old Testament, the child was circumcised, God signed of the covenant, and that child became an inheritor of everything attached to that covenant. You think about that. When our hearts are circumcised, we too become heirs and inheritors of everything attached to our covenant. Hebrews 8.10 says this, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Vast are the benefits of having a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad the blood has been applied to your hearts today? Not only... Does the blood cause us to enter into our redemption, our passport into redemption and our passport into covenant? It's also our passport into citizenship. God's realm is a kingdom. And in that kingdom, you and I are citizens. The Bible tells us we're a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, 1 Peter Two, nine. It's the kingdom of his dear son. And you don't treat a citizen just any old way. When the enemies of God got a hold of Paul and they found out they had mistreated and beaten and abused a Roman citizen without due process, they were terrified. Can I tell you something? Your citizenship is a million times better than a Roman citizenship. Listen to me carefully. Your godly citizenship in heaven is a million times better than your American citizenship. The benefits and the heirs that we are, and we haven't even tapped into it because we haven't learned to appropriate the blood as our passport like we should. I want you to understand in so many churches around the country today, they won't talk about the cross. They won't talk about the blood. They won't honor God. You say, where's our cross? Right outside embedded in that brick. And there's a reason for it. We will always honor the cross and we will always speak of the blood because that's how we have victory. That's how we have forgiveness. That's how we have what God wants us to have. 
And then I'm going to talk about the blood because it makes people squeamish. Well, let me tell you something. If you won't accept that blood, you can't have what God offers. What you have become is a gathering of people trying to make their own way rather than a people that is being perfected by God. Turn to somebody and say, I am not ashamed of the blood. Come on, shout it out. I'm not ashamed of the blood. To be ashamed of the blood is to be ashamed of the one who shed it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Don't be afraid of the blood. Shout it out to heaven. Hallelujah. And if somebody's bothered by it, find out why they are. Hallelujah. Because we're citizens, we have a bunch of rights. And you should not be ashamed of the blood, and you sure shouldn't be ashamed of the rights. And you shouldn't let anybody talk you out of them by the roll of their eyes, the turn of their, their mouth. Are you here today? They're nonverbals of disapproval. We have rights. We have a right to forgiveness. Hallelujah. When you blow it, you can expect he'll forgive you. You have a right to healing. I think a better amen than that. Well, I don't know. You get your mind renewed to the power of the passport of the blood. You won't sit there and sit there and go, well, I don't know about that. You have a right to it. You have a right to direction. You have a right to meaning. You have a right to be heard. God hears the cries of his children. He is attentive unto the cry of the righteous. You have a right to prosper. There's that pathetic response again. Don't make me come down there. You have a right to prosper. You have a right to be delivered. No matter what is bonding you, no matter what is holding you back, you have a right to protection. Seems to me we're on the right side of this thing. Aren't you glad when the death angel came by, you were on the other side of the door instead of in the street that day? Hallelujah. Listen to me. If you're in the street right now, I invite you to come in. Because it's awful good in there. Hallelujah. How do you tap into the power in the blood of Jesus? How do you do it? First of all, you accept the blood. No one can do it for you. No family can do it for you. Mom or dad, grandma and grandpa may desperately want you to apply the blood, but no one can do it for you. There are no great-grandchildren. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. Each individual needs to look at the efficacy of the cross, what Jesus did, and say, I personally need that. I need the blood applied to my heart. I need circumcision of heart. There is no way to be triumphant without the blood. There's no way into the new birth without the blood. You don't do it mentally. You don't do it with a church membership card. People are going to be shocked at who's not in heaven. And they're going to be shocked at who is. All I'm saying is make sure you are by applying the blood. 
applying merely church attendance or applying merely church membership or applying merely good works or applying, you know, I try to be nice to people. That's not going to do it. You've got to apply the blood and no one can do it but you. You have to personally apply the blood, appropriate the blood by accepting Jesus Christ into your life. And that changes everything. Before you were a sitting duck, before you had no rights in the kingdom of God, but after you have all the same rights that we do. Can I tell you something? You may be in this building. You've been saved 55, 60 years. Praise the Lord for that. But can I tell you something? If someone gets saved today and they will walk out of that building saved today and they will, they have the same rights as you. Well, I don't think that's fair. Well, you don't get to make the rules. A parable of the ones that went out into the field, they came early and they worked all day. The ones that came right before quitting time, Jesus passed out the money and the same was given to those that came at the last minute as those that came early in the day. He gets to do what he wants with his money. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, it's too late for me. Look at all these hot shots been serving God all this time. Everywhere I go in this town, I run into somebody. They've been serving God for decades. You know, they walk with God. Here am I, been saved a week or a month or a year. What's for me? I'll tell you what's for you. Everything I just mentioned and more is yours. You get the same inheritance as the one that's been serving God all their life. And if you've been serving God all your life, don't be depressed. You've been walking in that inheritance all this time. Well, I ain't seen much of it. That's because you haven't been appropriating the blood properly. All that's about to change. I said all that's about to change because this is not the year of defeat. This is not the year of despair. This is not the year of quitting. This is not the year of getting behind. This is the year of triumph. And you're going to triumph through the blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. Number two, you need to honor the blood. Those of us that have accepted that blood now need to walk in honor towards the blood. We honor the blood when we realize that every good thing he has and will do, we need to actively thank and praise him for. Because his hand is somewhere behind it all. You live in this nation, his hand is behind that. You have a roof over your head, his hand is behind that. You have food in your belly, his hand is behind that. You have dependable transportation. His hand is behind that. If you've ever known the grace of being healed like Charlie, who had a brain tumor, had no hope for being healed, but God prayed, they prayed and sought God and led him to the finest surgeon anywhere in the Midwest. And here he is today serving God with all of his heart. Let me tell you something. That's the God that we serve. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? You honor him and you thank him. I will tell you this, if you'll start just walking through your day identifying things that he has done, you'll have a great day. I said you'll have a great day. You'll have a marvelous day. Just start seeing everything along the roadside, seeing everything where you work and seeing everything in your family. I thank God for that and that and that and that. You know what will happen? The power of God will hit you and you'll be happier than you've been your entire life because everything he has given you, he's worthy of praise for. Hallelujah. This start a pointing and a thinking and a pointing and a thinking and a thinking and a pointing, and you're going to have a great day. How can you be anything but triumphant when you live that way? 
you honor the blood that produced the relationship that allows you to enjoy what he has done. It, listen to me carefully. There is a literal secret here I'm trying to get across to you. Divine power is released when you have a thankful heart like that. It will open and awake your consciousness and you'll feel like you're coming out of a fog and you will have been because you're not seeing everything he has done. Hallelujah. Simple things. Hallelujah. Good to stop by after work and pull into my parents' driveway and have a cup of coffee and ask them for something crunchy and they start pulling out every cookie they've got. I thank God for that. I thank God that I can eat cookies and have coffee with my 80-something-year-old parents. Hallelujah. Because they're characters. Everybody needs a few characters in their life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Let me say it again. It causes divine power to awaken your consciousness to his goodness and it opens the door for more of it. Praise God. Come on and say it. I thank him. I thank you, Lord, for every good thing. You've been so good to me. You've been so good to me. Come on, say, you've been so good to me. Instead of complaining, why don't you thank God? Do you know that complaining releases another spiritual force into your life? Uh-huh. Praise God. To honor the blood is to take communion and take it properly and to remember what he did for you. And you don't have to wait for the church. You can do it yourself with some crackers and some juice and get your Bible open and read those scriptures and say, I remember what you did for me. Hallelujah. You honor the blood when you live a lifestyle consistent with the blood. It empowers you to live a righteous and holy life. And we honor that blood when we do it. Hallelujah. You tap that power by accepting the blood and you tap that power by honoring the blood. And number three, you tap that power by pleading the blood. This is the revelation without any doubt and a limiting factor in so many people's lives. Now, if the blood has been diminished in your hearing or absent in your hearing or not emphasized the way a New Testament church ought to emphasize it, then you can't possibly apply this principle to your life for triumph. But the Lord wants you to understand that it is an accepting that blood personally. It's an honoring the blood, but it's learning to plead the blood, to actively plead the blood over every situation in your life that either threatens you or that's in defeat or that doesn't line up with the word of God. Listen carefully. When you plead the blood, you're declaring redemption from the curse. When you plead the blood, you're proclaiming the blessing has been restored. When you plead the blood, you're declaring, I have a covenant with God through Christ and I have rights. When you plead the blood, what's going on 
is that you are in fact declaring you're citizens of the Most High God and you just don't get to treat a citizen of the kingdom of God any way you want. Many people are defeated because they don't actively, habitually plead the blood. Watch this. To plead means to argue and present your case before the court. In this case, it's the court of heaven. And what would be the argument we would possibly present? And what position could we possibly take in this situation? It's very simple. Your Honor, I plead the blood. That's what I plead. And when you plead the blood, everything we just talked about is enveloped in that and included in that. When you plead the blood of Jesus, what you're saying is, I understand that's my redemption. I understand that's my covenant. I understand that's my citizenship. And I'm not going to live at this defeat level. I'm going to be triumphant in Jesus. Because of what? I plead the blood. When you remind yourself about the blood, forces are released to make that situation line up with the blood. Listen carefully. When you plead the blood, that curse has to bow its knee to the one who shed it. When you plead the blood, that blessing is activated in that situation. When you plead the blood, a covenant child of God walks in his or her full inheritance. When you plead the blood, you demand the rights that are coming to you as a child and citizen of the Most High God. Glory to God. From time to time, we might uh, get a gumption to say these things, to articulate these things, maybe even during a communion service. But I want you to think about this. You know, you've got some situation that's coming against your mind. Maybe you've never felt that kind of anxiety. Maybe you've never felt that kind of panic before. And all of a sudden, here comes this darkness to try to come on you. You can sit there and say, I can't believe this. I can't stand this. I'm a child of God. You can say, oh, woe is me. It's, it's happening again. I don't know if I can put up with this again. I don't know if I can help you know, do anything about this. Instead of all that stuff, open up your mouth and plead the blood. When you're facing a circumstance that maybe is, is terminal, something trying to fight its way and eat its way and destroy your life, you can do a lot of things. And certainly you should do everything you can do and throw everything you can, including the kitchen sink, to fight that fight. But at the top of that list, you know what you should be doing? I plead the blood. I plead the blood when that sickness and disease comes. I plead the blood when that thing attacks me. Are you here? Shout it out. I plead the blood. When condemnation comes over your former life and mistakes you have made because the accuser of the brethren loves to do what he does, what do you do? Oh, get away from me, mean devil. No, and you don't sit there and meditate on it, how terrible you were and how awful you were. Instead of going down that path of destructive memory lane, won't you lift your mouth up and say, you know what, I plead the blood. 
What I'm saying is to plead the blood is a functional weapon in your hand. Yes, pray. Yes, quote the word. But listen to what you're doing when you put that on your heart and on your mind and you put that blood, you know, on your lips, something happens. Help you out here. There is nothing the devil and his imps hate worse than the blood. He thought it was over. He thought he had him. Oops. On the third day, what? He rose from the dead and the devil found out that the blood was not the devil's, uh, Jesus's defeat or ours. It was his victory and ours by association. <laughs> so every time you declare it, he's going to recoil. And everything that's under his work, he comes to steal, kill and destroy Spirit of God spoke to me plainly. The people of God are not pleading the blood like they should. They're trying to figure everything out, meditate on everything, try to fix everything themselves, just suffer and put up with it. God wants the first thing to come out of your mouth is, I plead the blood. Come on, shout it out. I plead the blood. Plead the blood over that sickness. Quickly. Plead the blood over that addiction. We believe in 12 steps. We believe in discipleship. We believe in following up to encourage one another. We believe in accountability. But the first thing out of our mouth ought to be, I plead the blood. And since I've been redeemed, and since I'm a covenant child, and since I'm a citizen in heaven, that addiction can't stay when I plead the blood. No addiction. No stronghold. No habit. Plead the blood over that bondage. Plead the blood over that debt. Plead the blood over your lack. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Here comes that bill. Here comes this. Here comes that. Try to figure all out and waste all that time. Lift your voice up and say, I don't have the answers, but I plead the blood over my finances. Hallelujah. You can plead the blood over money. Well, Fred, I never heard that before. That's why we have church. That's why we're not afraid to talk about the blood. That's why we're not ashamed of the blood. It's absolutely the case. You can plead the blood over your bank account. Plead the blood over your pocketbook. Plead the blood over your investments. Praise God. Or what do I have to do to fix this? How can I do this? Hmm. Plead the blood over that confusion. Plead the blood over that discouragement. Plead the blood over that depression. There is no human situation or circumstance more powerful than the blood. And when you say that, I plead the blood over this thing, you're reminding the devil and those that serve him in that situation that they have nothing more powerful than the blood you just confessed.
Hallelujah. Years ago, the motion picture industry made a movie called The Mummy. And uh, you might remember that Benny was the guy that was in the French Foreign Legion. And as soon as the firing started, he just tucktailed and ran. Later on, he's giving tours to find the Book of the Dead. And, and uh, in the situation, the mummy starts to turn on him. And he has all these emblems around his neck. You know, he's got the Star of David, and he has an Islamic symbol, and you know, and he goes through all these ones, and he, he even makes a prayer in that language, and he has a cross, you know. When he gets to the Jewish language, the mummy recognizes that as the language of the Jews. Can I tell you something? You don't need a bunch of trinkets around your neck. I said, you don't need a lot of trinkets around your neck. You've already had an and been embraced by the cross, you just plead the blood. And some of y'all are facing some pretty big monsters. Plead the blood. Not as a last resort, as a deliberate step in your life. Look at somebody say, what are you going to do about that? Come on, ask them, what are you going to do about that? It's louder, what are you going to do about that problem? What are you going to do about that sickness? What are you going to do about that disease? You're going to plead the blood. And the Spirit of God says that healing just shot out in this room and three or four people got instantly healed. Don't, don't take this lightly. It's one of the most powerful things you can do as a child of God. What you're going to do, say it. I, I plead, plead the blood. Say it boldly and with faith and confidence. Say it, I, I plead, plead the, blood. the blood. Close your eyes. And I mean with all you can do, shout it out. I, I plead, plead the, blood. the blood. Or... You can let the love, the enemy cause you to live in defeat. Amen. I'm so glad that Jesus gave you and me a passport. Hallelujah. He gave me a passport into redemption. He gave me a passport. He gave me the right documents. Hallelujah. To enter into covenant. He gave me the passport to enter into citizenship. And aren't you glad you have all of that? Makes you an heir, gives you rights, ministers to you in powerful and profound ways. Hallelujah. Glory. Say it with me, say glory. Don't wait until everything falls apart. Don't go through your analytical checklist trying to do everything that you can do. At the top of your list, plead the blood. See, you and I know that that's not just some empty phrase. We know what we're doing. We appropriate that. Hallelujah. Say it, I have a passport. Hallelujah. I have a passport out of hell. And into heaven. Amen. Thank God. 
Amen? Praise God. I have a passport out of the curse into the blessing. I have a passport out of sin into righteousness. I have a passport out of poverty into abundance. I have a passport out of sorrow into joy. Hallelujah. There are people that have had losses in life and things that have gone the wrong way. And you start seeing that cloud come over you, you need to open up your mouth and say, oh no, you've had enough of my days. I said, you've had enough of my days. You've stolen enough of my life. I plead the blood from now on. Watch and see how fast that cloud disappears from your life. I have a passport out of bondage into freedom. Amen. I have a passport out of defeat into victory. Glory to God. I have a passport out of despair into hope. And it's the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, stand your feet and shout it out. I have a passport. Come on, one more time. I have a passport. And it's the blood of Jesus. I say, wait, when I'm under attack, I plead the blood. When I'm battling sickness, I plead the blood. When the money's low, I plead the blood. When I got a bad habit, I plead the blood. When I want to tell somebody off, I plead the blood. When I want to get bitter, I plead the blood. When I'm having a bad day, I plead the blood. When everything's going sideways, I plead the blood. When the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I plead the blood. Glory to God. 